Do you ever feel the stress of being an adult and knowing that it would be irresponsible to procrastinate yet again on going to the grocery store? But on the other hand, you'd much rather just have a beer and push it off for another day. Well, good news, Atlanta. This long-time struggle is an issue of the past thanks to Crowbar. For you non-Atlanta users, which I'm sure there are thousands, this is a Kroger grocery store with a full-functioning bar inside. You just push your little cart filled with fruits and veggies up to the bar and enjoy an ice-cold crispy boy on tap. Crowbar. Stealing Murder Kroger's customers since 2016. Start the show. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalau, and to my right is Tiller the Dog, our producer, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Today is Wednesday, November 8th, 2017. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going real well, Graham. I gotta say, Jared the intern has really upped his uh, salesmanship with getting us Crowbar as a sponsor. That's that's very fair. That's a big step up from Baby Grill. Yeah. You know, he's really um, playing the long hours. Yeah, he's just out there grinding. Grinding, the looking, looking for as many people. You know, a lot of times people think when we get these sponsors, it's one of these things that we just like say it at the beginning and we pick whoever we want, whoever we want to talk about. It doesn't work that, like that. Jared actually goes out there, talks to these folks, makes sure, you know, we can, you know, enter a nice business arrangement with them. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. Well, you know what his, the way he was able to sell this one to Crowbar was he had to promise the management there that I would actually put a little energy into the ad instead oh. of just like spewing out nonsense. I think that's fair. So there's a little preparation. A little preparation. I know it's new Which I did not appreciate. No. But I think pays off in the long run. Yeah, maybe. That's probably your best ad. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll see. But uh, yeah, going, going quite well, Graham. Um, despite the sad state of Atlanta sports, which I guess we have to discuss. We're forced to. Mm. Contra- actually, as we mentioned like a few months ago, we're contractually obligated to do this for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Good point. To uh, suffer as fans and then to impart our misery onto Ooh. our users. What we should do is, uh, like, and it's always sunny when there's the contract with D and Mac just takes the contract and eats it. We should find that contract and do the same. I agree. It's getting rough out there. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we got a... Another sad show for you guys that we'll hopefully try to inject with some humor. Uh, we're, we'll recap the Falcons' uh, heartbreaking 20-17 to loss to the Panthers. Another 2017 loss this season. I think it's our second of the year. Um, and we'll go and do a little Hawks as they get their second win of the year against Cleveland. And we'll give some, uh, some shit to uh, a user out there who was going to come on the show today, but dropped out near the last minute. Um, really threw off the whole script. Really threw off the whole show. He was, he's a Cowboys fan, so he's going to come in here and start uh, imparting some wisdom to us about the Dallas Cowboys. And it's always fun to get a behind-enemy-lines sort of perspective. And that's one, Edward Varney, a.k.a. Knowledge Bone. And uh, it was very unfair that he, that he didn't come to uh, the Adam Klaus Studios today. Yeah, because I'm, I'm still working off some old knowledge with the Cowboys. Tony Romo's still the quarterback, right? 
Yeah, Miles yeah. Miles Austin's their number one receiver, I believe. Right. Uh, actually, no, T.O.'s still number one. Receiver. Oh, T.O. So my, yeah. Miles is number two. He's number two, yeah. and um, what's his face? Brooking, Keith Brooking. Yeah, Keith Brooking's still the middle middle linebacker. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into all of that and uh, the game plan the Falcons have to put up against those uh, tough top names. Yeah, and I think Bill Parcells is still their coach. Yes, Bill. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah, good for Bill. Good for Bill. Um. <laughs> So uh, let's jump right into it, into that Falcons game. Started out pretty nice. We had some bad penalties on the first drive that forced us to kick a field goal. And then we had a really beautiful drive uh, and then a touchdown pass to uh, good old Mo Sanu. Uh, sort of been the touchdown monster this year for in terms of the receiving core. And then and our defense was playing really well. Those yeah. first few drives... They couldn't get anything going, so we actually forced two turnovers as well uh, early in the game, which we said was a key to the game. Yeah, going into that game, and Keanu Neal bumped one out. I, I love the way one he out. strips. It's a classic strip. Yeah, you just see his arm go in there and yank it out. Yeah, uh, did that at Jonathan Stewart. So Stewart fumbles the ball twice. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves, and then we get to midfield. Dan Quinn's favorite position to be on the field. It's fourth down. And we decided to go for it. And, of course, we don't get it. And that swung the men on the Panthers' way, and they never relinquished it the rest of the game. So the Panthers go on to score 20 unanswered points. Our run defense that was shutting the Panthers down early on just evaporated, gave up over 200 yards to the Panthers rushing the football. Um, you know, you look at this, and then we wind up losing the game 20-17, to 17, and uh, we had the ball in a last possession um, about – Three and a half minutes left. Had a chance to just score the decisive blow. Couldn't do it. Went three and out. Um, four and what's, and out. Or four and out, yeah. And so um, a lot of the same problems we've seen in these past games have uh, reared their ugly head again and all started with Dan Quinn deciding to go for it on fourth down at midfield for some reason again. Yeah, there were some variables in this game. We weren't expecting uh, the run-pass option that they enacted with Cam Newton rushing for so many yards. Cam hasn't really done that so much this year. And uh, it could be directly from the Kelvin Benjamin trade. They kind of want to get it, get back to the ground game. And for whatever reason, our defense was not up for the task. Got all these space tacklers with the speed. You would think that uh, we'd be up for that one. Well, what I don't understand is, um, and I will give the Panthers this. They, had, they, had, some, they had some tricky option plays. That really fooled us, and I'm normally not fooled on TV when I'm I'm watching you know play action or, or option plays like that. I was fooled twice. I mean, they were really great fakes. I think both times Cam kept the ball, and um, and and not saying those were like huge plays that turned the tide of a game, but I mean, they were you know the rushing attack, the the game plan there was very effective for them. It was pretty impressive watching. I remember they had one a uh, really slow motion replay of Cam sticking the ball into uh, McCaffrey's arms. Mm -hmm. And, like, McCaffrey doesn't know if he's going to hold on to that or not. And then just, like, the last second, Cam just yanks it on out of there. Yeah. Some impressive decision-making right? on Cam's part. Yeah. I certainly couldn't do that. I would just fall down and go into the fetal position, probably. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, too. I mean, you look at McCaffrey's stats rushing the ball this year. He hasn't done anything since that first game at San Francisco. Lots of single-digit rushing games against the Lions, 
Eagles, Tampa Bay. Sometimes he's rushed for 10, 16 yards. And then he busts out for 66 yards against us. And I guess my question is, is like, we saw Poe and Jarrett, you know, really involved in the, in the, in the stopping the run last week. And now they're getting blocked in the next Tuesday, particularly Poe. I mean, where the hell has he been all year? Was he on the field? Yeah. What massive disappointment. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a letdown. No more free agents from the Chiefs. Yeah, I think it's time to just stop that. Especially D-tackles. Yeah. Um, other things to think about. Of course, for those that watched the game, uh, it was another time we go for it on fourth down when we actually needed to. Um, it was in the fourth quarter. Through a deep ball to Julio, there wasn't a single Carolina Panther within 10, 15 yards of him. Perfect throw by Matt. He drops it in the end zone. We turn the ball over. That was a uh, that was a backbreaker and sort of epitomized the uh, entire Falcons season. It seemed like. Yeah, that was brutal. That's. I mean, I know people are still shitting on uh, Sarkeesian, and for good reason. Um, but also, I mean, there there were two deep balls to Julio. Uh, one where Matt overthrew him. Yeah. And then that one that was just inexcusable. So. That's not on Sarkeesian. At no. some point, we need, we got to blame the personnel as well. I, I think, and I agree with you there, I mean, it comes down to, you can talk shit about the game plan all you want, but there are times, and this is another time. And which you like to do a lot. I do. But I agree with you. We have to start saying there are times when there have been opportunities where the right thing has happened schematically, and we haven't executed. Or there's a dumb penalty. Or there's a dumb penalty. Blasey, um, blasey, blah. Yeah. And another thing I'm, I'm upset about with Sarkeesian is, once again, the failure to, you know, really establish the run. Um, you know, Freeman only gets 11 carries. Coleman only gets five carries. Um, we're not running the ball, and we're also not getting the running backs involved in the passing game still. Only four receptions for Freeman and one for Coleman, which went for a touchdown. And Tevin Coleman, to me, is one of the most lethal uh, pass catching running backs in the NFL, and it seems, and we called a lot of plays for him last year. He would get four or five receptions a game, sure. and you know, get touchdowns. And the one, the one reception he gets today, he 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 scores. And when you get him in space, he's very hard to get down. He's not the best short yardage running back in terms of running the football, but catching the ball, that guy is awesome. And I don't know why we're not calling more plays for him. As far as the uh, run game's concerned, do you think Patrick Demarco, him not being around, is a bigger deal? I, I don't think so because, you know, he's only on the field like 30% of the time and he was effective, an effective run blocker. But anytime I've seen Coleman block, it's been fine. I think it once again comes down to what we were talking about, lack of deception, lack of motion, um, sort of just running exactly what what it looks like. Um, and certainly that's frustrating. But um we had another instance where we had short yard situation and it, and it sort of shit on my theory, I guess, where I was like, we'll just run in the middle. <laughs> and we did that like three times and couldn't get the first down. So that was... Yeah, I was talking to Hugo earlier today and yeah. uh, he got a good kick out of the fact that you were so uh, adamant about that and then they did exactly what you wanted. And Well, you know what? I would rather them do that than, um, than try some bullshit play try to play action at downfield for 40 yards or something, which we did on third and inches. It was third and inches at one point in the game, and we decided to throw the ball 30 yards downfield to Hooper. At that point, just, just can we just sneak it? Can we just be smart? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of issues here. We could there are. keep listing them off. Yeah. Uh, intern Jared made a good point to mm-hmm. me earlier, and I would let him 
uh, come on air and say it himself, but I think he's off getting us some uh, fresh beers. I'm not very sure. Um, but he his analysis is that this team just lacks heart. Like to come out like that week in and week out and start off strong and then just disappear for it, it is per- two and a half quarters, it three is, quarters. It is perplexing There's how we get out to a lead and we can't seem to hold it. And I'm getting really tired of, of Coach Quinn. He's starting to sound like Smitty when I heard his, his presser. He's yeah. starting to sound like Smitty a little bit. He's just like, you know, we're going to go out there and, you know, we haven't executed the way we've liked to, the way we've prepared, but we're going to work at it. And, you know, it's the same message over and over again. And we don't, and maybe they are working at it, and I'm sure they are, but it ain't showing on the field on Sunday. No. Um, and you start to think that, you wonder if, I don't, you know, you start to wonder if the locker room's starting to be lost. You're starting to wonder if the message is starting to be lost, the brotherhood, all that stuff. Um, I will, I will say on that point, I will say this much. I was watching the old uh, post game presser on Fox Five. Oh yeah, after the game. After the game, mm-hmm. uh, digital intent, of course, was bringing me that great content. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone, the locker room, they still seem bought in. They still seem determined. They're not phased. Like, there were so many questions. Of course, the Super Bowl hangover came up again. But they're pretty adamant that, and of course, it's what you're going to say, but uh, they don't look beaten like we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it's just it's just the same old, same old. I've kind of resolved myself to not, I mean, I'm still going to be very emotionally involved, but I don't have any expectations at this point because we're halfway through the season. We've lost four or five games for four and four. Um, and we have a very tough stretch coming up that began with Carolina and, and continues into next week with Dallas, and then you got to go on the road and face Seattle. You're going to be lucky to win one of those games against two teams, um, one of which Dallas is playing pretty well, especially on offense. And um, you know, going to Seattle is always a, a bitch and a half because you face one of the toughest crowds. 16th, man. 12th, man. <laughs> <laughs> 16. There's only 11, 11 players on the field. 12th man. Yeah. Um, but there's so many freaking people there. It feels like the 16th man, I it's guess. It's the very opposite of the great anus. Yeah, right now where you have which people selling their tickets who are able to, you know, people who are rich enough to get the tickets are selling their tickets to on the secondary market and allowing these people to semi-take over uh, our stadium. Well, I know we've just, I think we've discussed this on air before, just the fact that there's, so many damn things to do there, fan experience, if you will, that people aren't in their seats watching the game. Yeah. Like, the game is technically sold out. Those people are in there. They're just not in their seats. Right. Which is but it's not a good quite look. frustrating. No, and, not and, at all. And, and, you know, we have to take it on ourselves as fans to go out there and support the team, you know, especially if we're going there. We need to be there rooting them on and making noise and causing penalties. I mean, I think one of the greatest things about going to NFL game. As a fan, you can have a real impact on the uh, on the game because if you can make enough noise and make it hard enough for that offensive line to communicate with the opposing team, you can cause a penalty. Sure, you can cause a penalty. I mean that that's always a, a total blast. I remember we went to the 2012-2013 NFC Championship game against the 49ers, and I know we caused multiple penalties because we were screaming our asses. You and I specifically. Us, we were the only ones, but we did it. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> And, and that was fun. So it's so that's disheartening. And I, my, my fear is going to this Cowboys game is that uh, it's going to be half and half, and the Cowboys are going to be making a lot of noise, and it's going to look like a, a damn San Diego Chargers home game. Yeah. I'm really scared about that. For those of you who don't watch the Chargers, 
especially when they were in San Diego. They got their stadium taken over on a weekly basis. Like, it was almost majority the other team, it seemed right. like, especially when the Raiders were playing. Um, so looking ahead, I mean, what, what's your confidence level going into this Dallas game? Based off the shit we've seen. Oh, com- continue to confidence say. is quite low. Yeah. Um, if you were to ask me the one word I'd use to describe this team at this point, hmm. it's mediocre. Yep. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and admit that. Uh, not to say the talent isn't there, which it is. Still think it's a talented roster. Yeah, and that's what's Th- sort of frustrating about it. They sucked on paper, and we were four and four. It'd be like, okay, fair yeah. enough. But our expectation is to win the Super Bowl. Indeed. Um, but talent being there, that said, they could put it together. Um, but right right now, I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, I see no indication from. I think even if you win this game, right, you still have the Panthers. If we had won the Panthers game, if Julio holds on to that catch, and then we scored another touchdown with Devin. Um, yeah, still have a lot of issues. It's just those little things that aren't happening. It's like, I mean, that, that's all the difference between a good team and a bad team in the NFL is just those two or three plays. That could go either way. Yeah, like... And we just don't seem to be able to execute. Just that it factor to. to execute and close. Yeah. We've, we've had, out of the four losses, I'd say... At least three of those, we've had a chance to win it at the end, technically. Yeah. No, Min- only, minus the Patriots. That's the thing, too. Even if we, we played like shit, we are in every game except for the Patriots game. And um, that's the frustrating part about it. Is that, And you still think maybe there's a way we can put four quarters together. But week in, week out, you see bad run defense, and you see offensive discombobulation, and you see a lot of drops. I think we're, the, we're in the top five in drops right now in the NFL. Yeah, that's an issue. Hooper, I keep seeing it out of him over and over again. Yeah. Um, so really frustrating right now. I think looking ahead to Dallas, I think uh, the biggest fear we have to have there is... Um, Romo. It's definitely Tony Romo Yeah, and, and Terrell Owens. Uh, I'm really afraid of those guys. It's a di- dynamic, dynamic duo, duo. Um, You know, T.O. coming over from Philly. Interesting that he's going from a uh, you know NFC East to an NFC East team. So you got to think when they go to Philadelphia this year, he's going to hear it from the crowd. Wait, I heard him say that Romo is his teammate and his quarterback. And his quarterback. So. And he also said man. So you know when you say man about another man. Um, I've never heard Julio say that about Matt Ryan. Right. With tears in his eyes. With so. tears in his eyes. Maybe while he's wearing sunglasses. Maybe that's the passion we need. Maybe so. But in all seriousness, I think the uh, <laughs> the biggest thing with, with Dallas is, is of course, Ezekiel Elliott. He's got four games where he's rushed over 100 yards, seven touchdowns on the year, has 783 yards already this season, and we're only halfway through. So he's on pace for, like, 1,600 yards rushing if that suspension doesn't come down. And we just gave up 200 yards to the Carolina Panthers, who don't really have a lead running back and have a quarterback uh, who likes to scramble. So... I'm very concerned for our run defense heading, heading in this game. I mean, you can talk about all the offensive issues you want, and Dallas doesn't have a very good um, defense, but Dallas is great at controlling the clock, and we saw that against the Panthers when they did that to us, where I think we had nine total yards of offense because they controlled the clock. And these guys are going to try to do the exact same thing, I think, uh, this Sunday. I would if I were them. Yeah. Maybe Poe will finally uh, come out of hibernation and decide to play this game. Well, that, that offensive line of theirs is so good, too. I mean, they really built that offensive line through the draft, and um, I'm afraid they're just going to push us around and control the clock the whole night. I mean, I really don't see any other other way of it going right now with the way we're playing. Yeah, they looked damn good against the Chiefs the other night. The Chiefs, one of the hottest teams in the league uh, recently, and 
Dallas kind of just dominated by the second half of that game. Yeah, they wore them down. And that's something with our defense we see week in, week out as it gets worn down. And um, But I will give the defense this, if you think about it. You know, we're holding teams like 20 points, 23 points. You know, if we were to play at our season average last year, even just a little below it, we'd be winning most of these. We'd be, we'd be winning all the games that we lost with the exception of the Patriots game. So it's just like, can the offense put it together enough? Can we have enough consistency um, to really put up a lot of points? And I think looking at Dallas with their defense, it's not the it's not a very good defense. They've given up a shit ton of points this year, um, particularly at home. I wish so you kind of wish we were playing them at their place. But there's an opportunity for us to get right here. This could be a get right game for the offense. I just don't know. Time of possession is just uh, just really concerns me with, with Zeke Elliott out there. We really, you and I need to do our part as well. Last year, the year we went to the Super Bowl, you and I go to Brew House and Little Five Points like every damn week to watch the game. We haven't done that this year. We've watched one game together at my parents' house. Yeah. So we're showing the same lack of emotion and intensity that the Falcons are showing. Maybe they need us. So we're really, if anyone's to blame, forget about Sark, forget about Quinn, forget about... Poe, let's look at ourselves. So, although you're going to be out of town, aren't you? I am. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so much for that idea. Yeah. The one thing I hope this week is Sarkeesian's able to employ a little deception. Just something. Just give us something, Sark. You ain't playing against Utah in the Pac-12 anymore. You're playing in the against NFL teams. You can't just run these silly plays and look, you know, run exactly how it looks in formation. Give us something, man, or your ass is going to be out of a job. Again. Again. So, (laughs) moving on to our Atlanta Hawks. Beloved Atlanta Hawks. I was laughing in my head about the way you uh, phrased your little Hawks intro, where where you said the Hawks got their second win, which, yeah, could sound pretty good if it's like the third or fourth game of the year. Yeah, unfortunately, we've already played 11 games, and mm. we're 2-9. and nine. But only four and a half games out of first. Yeah. I will say this about the Hawks, right? They have faced a lot of adversity in terms of a lot of guys have been injured, especially after that first game. It seemed like you know we lost Schroeder for a while, um, lost Deadman. You know, you lose two pretty— Ilyasova's been out. Ilyasova's been out. You, you lose some pretty uh, key players. And so, but this team has gone out there every night. They battle their asses off. They don't ever win. Um, they beat LeBron, they though. Did, they did beat LeBron, which was nice. But, I mean, I, I think the, the nice thing to take away here for the Hawks is that, you know, they're constantly in the games for the most part, and they're, they're playing their asses off. They're a very undermanned team in terms of talent, but they're going out there every night and giving it their all. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what we discussed this in our uh... – Hawks preview before the season. It's just, the, these young guys are getting to play, which has been ga- great to see. Um, have you watched John Collins at all? Yeah. No, I was just wanted to bring him up. And that in the um, the Cleveland game, they didn't have an answer for his energy. No, that that I mean, he was exceptional in that game. You look at him already; he's almost averaging a double double, ten and a half points, almost eight boards a game. Um, you know, and he's doing it, not playing a lot of minutes, playing like pretty much half or a little less than half of a game. 
Um, and he's looked really damn good. He's already scored in double figures six times this season. So, I mean, he's, he's doing great and constantly going out there getting – and he's got four games where he's finished with double-digit rebounds. So, I mean, I, I've been thoroughly impressed by his athleticism and his ability to be aggressive in the paint and uh, just all around the court. I concur. And we also not only knocked off uh, Cleveland, but on Monday night, because this is Wednesday – there was a – I mean, they battled Boston. Yeah, it took Boston to the coming, coming in on an eight-game winning streak. Yeah, only lost by three points. Yeah, I think – I saw there were like 27 lead changes in that game, which is yeah, crazy. I mean, they're, they're battling, and, they're, and they've actually been relatively fun to watch because it's just nice to watch these uh, these young guys continue to develop. And, and Schroeder is, you know, jacking up a lot of shots, averaging over 22 points a game. You know, he's getting better at penetrating. He's looked pretty good to me. Um so it's exciting. It's exciting because the future is is bright, and I think the great thing about the East right now is that the powers that be, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers, starting to fade a little bit. Then you got to wonder. Um, they're certainly not getting off on the right track. They're under five hundred. They do that every year, though. They do, and every but year they're in the finals. That is true. So it's it's. But I think that also, you know, who knows if LeBron's going to be there after next year? I think that team is on its way out in terms of being a perennial power in the next, hopefully, like, couple seasons. And the Celtics are on the way up. The Celtics are definitely on the way up, but you got to think if we can get a ping-pong ball this year, <laughs> get one of those uh, real quality draft picks that we can start building something. Hopefully that's pretty special because I like our young core of, of, of Schroeder, Prince, and Collins. And we add another, uh, you know, if we can add a couple of young studs, go back-to-back years maybe of getting uh, a ping-pong ball. Who knows? Maybe we got something in, in three or four years. It'll be painful, <laughs> but, uh, but 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 hang in there because we're finally doing what we should have done. You know, after that second time that the uh, Horford Millsap Teague experiment sort of fizzled out in the second half of the year, we're blowing it up and we're we're building through youth. And what more could you want out of your sports teams than two out? Of, well, I guess I got to say four now with the United. Two out of the four teams in a rebuilding mode where you can hope for something in the next three to four years. Yeah. That's yeah. just that, that's, great fun to watch. That's all you can hope for. And a mediocre football team. Yeah. That, 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 and that, a trending down football team. Yeah, that, uh, that was, you know, 12, 15 minutes from winning a Super Bowl. That, that, that blew the biggest lead in Super Bowl history. Well, look at it this way, Graham. It only took them 16 years, 18 years to get to the Super Bowl after 98, so... We just have to wait eighteen more years. Yeah, we'll be we'll be uh, forty three or something at that point. Knock what, on what's wood. Our, what's our math? Our math's off. Oh, the math. You just have to knock on wood. Oh, sure. Assuming yeah. we'll be that old, right? Yeah. Um, we'll probably be fifty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that, uh, hey, things are looking all right. We, we we can accept this. My head's held high. Yeah. All right, so we're moving on to a new segment this week, uh, and hopefully, we'll make it a weekly thing as long as Taylor will keep dealing with us and producing the hell out of the show. We are going to do some predictions. Uh, producer, it's called Producer's Corner, where we will give Tiller some over-unders and other predictions about Atlanta sports this week, and she will make her picks. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to have two treats, and Tiller will pick, based off her fantastic canine instincts, what she thinks the over-under is going to be. So things like, you know, time of possession for the Falcons in a game, or how many... Yards, Zeke Elliott will destroy us for this week. We're going to give an over-under to Tiller. And then we're also going to predict the uh, Cowboys-Falcons game this week with Tiller, our producer. And this is, it's good timing because I had uh, a user today 
kind of chastising us for our terrible, terrible predictions recently. So we were like, you know what, let's put this to the test. So Graham and I are also going to do our predictions offline um, and compare it to what Tiller, who's a two-year-old canine. See if we can beat her at least. Yeah. So follow along with us on, uh, on Facebook. Social medias. Atlanta Zone Sports and uh, Twitter at ATL Zone Sports Podcast. So our first prediction is an over-under for our second-year tight end, Austin Hooper. He has a lot of drops this year, Adam. A lot of drops. We want to know, Tiller, how many drops will Austin Hooper have? Over-under, two and a half. Right hand is over, left hand is under. Right hand is over, left hand is under. Tiller, what's it going to be? Make over, under, two and a half drops. Oh, she went straight to over. Oh, very fair. So mark that down. So two and a half drops for Tiller, over. I would not be surprised if that's true. And I would, and, and it's probably going to happen with the great anus closed too, which is going to be even worse. Well, it's got leaks now, the roof. Does the roof have leaks? Yes. Oh, Jesus. It's pathetic, even when it's closed. This is terrible, folks. All right. Our second over-under, as we mentioned earlier. Zeke Elliott rushing yardage. I'm going to put the over-under at 130 and a half. So, Tiller, over-under 130 and a half yards for Ezekiel Elliott this week. For the sake of, um, well, not being consistent and just mixing everything up, this time we're going to do left hand over Right hand under. Oh. She, she could be biased to the right hand. Very fair. Uh, over! Over! Wow. She goes over 130 and a half yards. So she's not being very optimistic. She's only been alive for two years, but is already fully initiated into the sorrows of Atlanta sports. All right, so moving on to our next pick here. We have over under 16 and a half rushing yards for Devonta Freeman. What's it going to be, Tiller? Left hand over, right hand under. And here we go. Oh, wow. She takes the left. So a little bit of optimism, finally. Saying Devontae's going to get over 60 yards rushing. That would be great. Okay. Maybe he'll get more than 11 carries, too. There's, <laughs> there's something to look forward to. All right. Our next pick will be Hawks wins this week. One and a half. Over, under. Tiller, what's it going to be? All right. And we're going to go right hand over, left hand under. And oh, she goes straight for the right hand. Wow. Over one win. Man, so she thinks we're going to get at least two wins this week. Maybe she's uh, got a little optimism with this youth movement going on on Dominique Wilkins' way. And our last pick of the week is the big one. Predictions on the Cowboys-Falcons game. Who's going to win? Lefty Falcons, righty Cowboys. Here we go. Oh, she goes directly for the left hand, Falcons. With Damn. The, with the paw as well. She's got a little more optimistic as it went along. Unbelievable. Not, not feeling Austin Hooper, thinking Zeke Elliott's going to dominate. Those last three, Freeman, Hawks wins, and the Falcons winning the game. It's all Atlanta, baby. If she goes five for five, that'd be pretty impressive. We're putting money down next time. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, each of us will probably go maybe one for five at best. Yeah, that's yeah, it's pretty fair. If the, if the ball falls right for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you for listening and making us part of your day or evening. Uh, look for our picks on those same predictions Tiller gave you at our Facebook at Atlanta Zone Sports Podcast and on Twitter at ATL Zone Sports. For Adam Kalal, I'm Graham Waldrop. Hospitalmanship. Hospitalmanship.